How's it going, everybody? My name is Christian, but you also may know me as Colossalis. Welcome back to the episode five, I believe, of the Fit Games podcast, Boosted Fit Games podcast. I don't even know the name of my own podcast. <laughs> it's been it's been a little while. I'm sorry for the for the delays. I'm not going to explain myself. Just going to jump right in. We have a nice show planned for you where we'll be talking, uh, as I promised you guys in the previous episode, we'll be talking a little bit more about fitness this time around, but there will be a few topics about gaming nonetheless. Uh, Keep in mind, those might be a little bit outdated. Um, Some of the the topics, I really felt like I needed to give them a little bit of time before I could talk about them. I felt like I needed to form my own opinion. And uh, you know, and that sometimes requires for me to uh, to spend some time with a certain topic and and researcher in a way. So that's why uh, we have a little bit of a delay. But I think I'm ready to talk about these things. There, there's some nice, nice tips about working out and just in general fitness stuff in this episode. So um, still, so stay tuned. But and also stay tuned for the next episode. We will have a couple of guests. Uh, first one will be my best friend. Uh, I haven't known him since my, pri- from, uh, since my primary school. He's not very active on social media, but I think he would be a very cool uh, person to to have on the podcast. He plays video games and he has, you know, his own opinion about them. So I think it will be interesting to have him. And also we'll have Spaniard on the Moon, a brand new streamer and a very, very cool person, which you guys can check out, Spaniard on the Moon on Twitch. And yeah, but... Regardless, today we have the solo show. Hopefully, you guys are doing amazing, having a great day, night, whatever is for you. And let's jump in with the first topic. So first, I wanted to talk about Assassin's Creed Valhalla thoughts after about finishing the game and 90 hours of gameplay. I'm actually curious. You guys can uh, can come out, come by my stream or, or visit my Twitter and just tweet at me and kind of give me your your thoughts and rundown on what you think about what you thought about Valhalla in general. If you finished it, if you haven't finished it, you liked it or you just hated it and you thought it was uh, it was utter bloated piece of ding dong. But just let me know. I'm I'm generally curious. I, I like you guys' responses to my previous podcast, so keep them coming. So first, I wanted to outline where I am at with the game. So I have finished all the quests but and the side quests um, besides one, uh, one second. I think there's one quest that I still have to do. That's the second arc of Asgard's story. I've done the first one. I don't really, I, I'm not really digging the the arc but, uh, I, I mean the actual quests are really fun and the actual storyline is very good there's just something about traversing Asgard that's just really annoying I feel like it's the verticality and they uh, the developers didn't really add a lot of uh, a lot of tools to get around that terrain I feel like that is what's really mm, taking me back I've also retrieved Gungnir and Mjolnir. Um, if you're familiar with the game, you pretty much have to finish the game to get Gungnir, and you have to kill, I think, you have to get all of the Thor's armor, 
Uh, by the way, you get that from. So by this, you you might be able to hear that I've done a lot of side uh, side questing and and you know doing side activities, because for Mjolnir you need to kill all the daughters of Delirion, uh, and then you have to get into his. Uh, into his tomb to retrieve so from every single one there's one piece there's five pieces in general of thor's armor and then last piece which i think is the helmet you actually get from uh, from eliminating the last of the order member so when you kill when you, when you eliminate the father of the of the order you get the last piece of the thor armor and then when you have the thor armor and you put it on you can actually retrieve Mjolnir, the the hammer of Thor, which is actually located in the north of the Norway region. Um, you guys can can uh, search it up on uh, on on the YouTube or, or or on Google. So yeah, I have both of those. So I have done a lot. I have done a lot of quests. It took me eighty five hours to eighty five, eighty five hours to get Mjolnir. I believe yes, it was eighty five hours to get Mjolnir, and I think it was about eighty. I think it was 80 hours to actually finish the story. And by the time I finished the story, I've also done a lot of the side co uh, contest, uh, you know, a lot of the side content. I've done the Yule Festival. Uh, I, I have all the rewards for that. So I've done a lot of the game and I've, you know, I'm, I'm invested into the game. I really enjoyed it. It's like, there were times where I was like, oh, oh my God, I just cannot play anymore. And there was there was a time where I took a hiatus from the game for literally, I think I took like a month off or something. And then I came back to the game after I watched some people play. I was like, you know what? I'm ready. I'm ready again to uh, to play it. I, I just needed that break, I feel like. Um, I've also spent about $140 on the game. I bought the Ultimate Edition, which, is, uh, which was $100. Actually, it wasn't quite $100 because I... Uh, because I actually used my points. By the way, it's it's so amazing that you can you can spend like the points that you get for in game that you do in game. You can spend that to get a discount on on the actual games from Ubisoft. That's just you know like Ubisoft has their moments when they're very greedy, but they they also have their moments where they are really customer friendly, and that's just one of those moments. Um, so it wasn't quite hundred hundred dollars for the ultimate edition uh, but it was it was around there and i also bought two helix packs um and with the helix packs i bought the valhalla it's no sorry not the valhalla but the valkyrie set and i also bought the what was the other one niflheim set i think uh th both of those were good uh but i will actually talk about the the monetization and wh where i see the future going later later on you can, you know, you can call me out for being, you know, for for splurging the money. I just felt like, you know, that game gave me so much fun, so much joy, and I spent so much time in it. That I, I didn't really feel the need to give back to the developers, but I just wanted to support them. I wanted to support them, and those sets looked really cool, so I just, I just splurged on them. So my thoughts, and you can kind of... Um, treat this as an in-depth review uh, after you know after a lot of time spent in the game so the story I was actually very surprised with how joyous it was to play it was 
some of the arcs in England, because if you don't know how it works, you basically will go to England and you try to basically build alliance with every single uh, part of England, or you, you do you do some sort of quest in every part of England. Some of the arcs there were really interesting and uh, played out in a in a very very interesting way. Especially there were the ones in London that was very very cool. There was like a kind of investigation of who killed a certain person, very very who was potentially important to the story. And actually, one that stuck in my mind was when the blacksmith from your settlement actually tries to get ma get married and you help him with that. And it's actually very, very cool. Those two really stuck in my mind. The rest was kind of similar, but all of them had had something to go for them. Like I really enjoyed the one in uh, Jorvik. Jorvik was really cool. Um, I really enjoyed uh, King Hafton. Um, so and also the Ivor story was actually pretty cool as well. So there was some really cool stuff in the game. I just felt like it was very hollow at times and a very overstated welcome. It it wasn't bloated like Odyssey with with some quests, you know, and some people also reporting that in Odyssey you had to grind to 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 progress further, but. In this game, what you had is, for example, like it wouldn't give you like chores to do. Like sometimes it, it did feel like that, but it would on purpose. It feel it felt like on purpose. It would throw the the quest marker to the other side of the uh, of the map and uh, or of the region. It and it wasn't like you know they didn't give like a good reason for that. They just the character just said meet me there. I'll be waiting for you. And you're like, why the fuck would we meet there and not next to the, you know, next to the mission I was supposed to do and notify you right after? So there were a few head scratchers like that, but besides so basically a very, very good story. A very, very underwhelming ending. Um, that's what I'm gonna say. Um, I feel like there are a couple of endings, but uh it really depends on the decisions you make, the main decisions that you make with your brother and in your settlement. Um, so very, a very, very enjoyable story, a very underwhelming, uh, underwhelming uh, ending, but also the entire game overstays its welcome. So it's just sometimes it's just too long. You're riding through, you know, the 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 scenery, and it's just like, how long do I have to do this for? Um, Let's move on to the bosses. Uh, bosses in the game, most of them felt pretty good. I felt like the bosses were actually the only real challenge in the game. And I was playing, by the way, I was playing on the very Master Assassin and very hard difficulty. So the, the highest difficulty possible um, for, the, uh, for the stealth and for the combat. Sometimes... I felt like the bosses were just cheesy as hell. Like sometimes the the wind ups for the unblockable attacks were were just impossible to uh, to block, uh, to, impossible to to predict. They were just so fast. These windows were just so slim that I just felt like I didn't have enough time to react. But most of them felt okay, and they had their weak spots. Um, and there are a few standouts actually. Um, like for example, Hrothgar. Uh, was a nice uh, was was a nice boss, and I actually enjoyed the archetype of the big enemies. Uh, they were really fun to fight. Like they had 
predictable attacks um, which were the unblockable ones and like you knew exactly when they would happen and you had enough time to to dodge them but their quick attacks were actually very quick so you had to uh, so there was like this nice challenge of like not being cheesed by unblockable attack being so fast that you cannot um, that you cannot block them um, but you also have a little bit of a you know, you have a little bit of those like blockable attacks that if you're quick enough and you pay enough attention, you will be able to block them. Uh, but there were a few annoying standouts, like for, for example, Regan, one of the one of the, one of the daughters of Lyrian, she was just annoying as hell. Basically, her her power was that, like, it wasn't her power that was annoying; it's just the way it was implemented in the game. Um, so her power was that when she did the unblockable attack, she would send a copy in front of her that would do the same attack. So you basically had to dodge her and then you had to dodge her clone as well because it would deal quite a lot of damage. Um, that was annoying as fuck because if you didn't dodge at the right moment, the clone would just follow you and hit you anyway. Um, kind of like, kind of the same way as I talked about Cyberpunk's uh, fighting, like fist fighting, where if you didn't perform the game's expected action, the actual character will follow you and still hit you from like meters and meters away. That's exactly the thing that happened with, um, with 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 Regan. So yeah, most of them were very very fun uh, and uh, and challenging, uh, especially the the zealots. The zealots were pretty were pretty fun to fight. But as I said, there were a few standouts that were just crazy annoying. I didn't want to fight them at all. There was this one fight against... Uh, there are legendary beasts in the game, and there was one, this one fight which put you against three different wolves. And uh, there was... there uh, These wolves, like one of these wolves, if he gets you with a very quick unblockable attack, he pins you to the ground, and then the other wolf runs up and really, literally eats your face. And on the very higher difficulty, that takes your entire bar, and you, you, you can do anything. You, you cannot do anything. They, they just kill you with one shot. That was really annoying. I remember. Mm, I tried to do it like low level. I couldn't do it, and then I later came back when I was like, uh, I'm currently level three hundred and ninety six, I believe. Uh, power power level. The maximum is four hundred. Um, so I remember. I, I I then I came back when I was like three seventy or three eighty, and I did it. And it, it was still hard. Like the, the the actual bosses were like green to me, but I did them, and they were still pretty hard. So, yeah, very, very fun bosses, but some of them are annoying as hell. Um, so the side content, I thought it was really spot on. I think they nailed the feeling that the, the feeling of the, that you really want to uh, do these mysteries. So basically, if you guys don't know, they don't have side quests anymore um they uh, well they do have some of the side quests but like compared to odyssey like you have no side quests there, there's only a few that you have uh, most of them are from like side activities that you do with your uh, settlers but and there's i think one of these quests that you get from one of the additions is one of, one of the side quests but besides that you don't really get many but the bulk of the site you can say quests at the moment is the mysteries. And they really, I think they really nailed it. Like some of them are very annoying in that they don't have like a specific entry 
uh, to the quest log for them. Some of them could really use that and they don't have a waypoint where you know where you have to go. Um, in this game, it's sometimes really annoying. Like there are a few of these mysteries where you have to, for example, there's one in London, I believe, that basically throws you out and you have to find these people. Like you have to find three people, assassinate them. Uh, and they, they just randomly roam um, London, and sometimes their cues, their voice cues don't pop, so you're like, you're pretty much walking next to him, and you don't recognize it. Like, some of them are really annoying, but basically the gist of it is that you don't get a marker, like, they're not even marked on your map. I mean, they are marked on your map, but once you pick it up, once you once you begin the activity, you can leave at any moment, and it doesn't give you, like, a waypoint where you have to go to finish it. You just have to come up with it by yourself and i think that's really good but some of the quests are just not clear on what you have to do um uh some of them have like a, a it's a very nice puzzle um that and they do present some of some very nice freedoms so for so you can get like bad ending and the like, they actually have different endings some of those like very little quests they're like five minute quests like literally uh each but uh but they have these like different endings. For example, there can be like a, ne like a negative ending and there can be like a positive ending. So you can, for example, there's a quest where a kid tricks you into fishing for him. And then you like you can give him the fish or you can actually take the fish. If you if you take the fish, they basically just say, oh, you're, you're a horrible person and stuff like that. And if you give him the fish, you know, like, oh, yeah, thank you so much. And they, they give you actually, I think, some item or, or something that then you can sell for actually quite a lot of money. Uh, and they say they, they don't have a use for it. So they're cool in that way. And it's kind of realistic that a big Viking like, I, like Eivor wouldn't be like, oh, there was this girl standing next to the road, you know, like basically five years ago, you know, in-game time, maybe I should go and visit her again. And, you know, she's still there and standing with the quest. So it's kind of good that, you know, it's not marked exactly on the, in, you know, in your quest log. It's like, oh, he didn't write it down, but um, it's still there on the map and, and and you can do it. And it's pretty fun. Those are like pretty fun two to two to 10 minute uh, quests. Some of them impossible to do. And some of them have bugs where you cannot finish them, but yeah, some of them are actually interesting, and they give you some backstory on the on the world. So the difficulty I kind of want to touch upon is very very easy. The game is just easy, and that's uh, the bot. And like the bosses are pretty much the only standout that will be very very hard. And and sometimes where you get surrounded by like the elite enemies, so the enemies that aren't like basic bitches, but they're actually somehow you know stronger and they have uh, a bigger stun meter and you know they have like their own special attacks they will like they, them in packs will present a lot of trouble uh especially early game once you actually get a nice build going and you get some stats then it starts to become just a you just roll over the 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 enemies so difficulty i would say pretty easy uh but uh, at the beginning it's kind of eh and the, and the bosses are also me. I like they're also the bosses <clears throat> like their difficulty doesn't scale with like their abilities. So for example, if you play on very hard, it has the same moveset as if you're playing on easy, but it just scales their um, their health and their damage, which is kind of lazy, but I guess that's how it's done in most of the games. Let's talk about the big elephant in the room, which is the gear. <clears throat> a lot of people have been talking about this game, this uh, gear in this game that 
you know, they prefer basically when they were playing Odyssey, they were complaining that they have, you know, multiple copies of this one item and they're just getting stat upgrades. And here they were complaining that they don't have enough, they don't have enough uh, gear. And honestly, I really focused on just going around the map and getting the wolves. And I did, never felt like I wasn't getting new items. I, I was actually, I think, lucky enough that most of the <clears throat> wealths that I picked up were actually gear related. And I was getting quite a lot of gear from the beginning of the game. And sometimes there are stretches of the game where you will be going like hours and hours without a new piece of gear. And that's and I think that's okay. I actually I actually enjoyed I like the way how you acquired the gear in Valhalla. You can actually go through the game with only one with only one like set, set of items that you have. And if you don't do any exploration, you will be left with like no gear besides the ones that you have. So that's how you try to encourage exploration. I think that's fine. Like I really enjoyed that part of the game. Um, so yeah, it rewards exploration and uh, and some very light puzzling. The puzzling is very light in that game. Like there there isn't many puzzles where you, where you will be like you know solving it for like twenty to thirty minutes. No, it's just going to be oh that's how you do it. Boom done. Um, but some of it is clever. Like it's not as clever and as good as Immortals. Like Immortals puzzles are just really nice. Like none of them are very very hard, but some of them you really have to scratch your head. They're like oh, and you actually have to think about what you're doing. But in here, it's mostly just, oh, you just have to find the right object, throw it at the thing, and it's done. Um, but I also think that there there aren't many items in the game, uh, but there isn't enough useful variations. So don't get me wrong. There, are, there is some variation like on finisher, have more speed. On finisher, have more attack or... Um, on attack from the from behind, you can uh, you know you have some increased attack, but you can do so many cool things with um, with weapons, right? And I think games like uh, Diablo or Borderlands have really shown that w you can do so much with the legendary weapons or just weapons in general. Uh, I think Borderlands has that. I haven't played really the game yet. I bought it on on one of the sales, but I haven't played the game yet. Um, these games have shown that you can do so many cool things with the Legendary series. And actually, people here in Ubisoft have shown that too because they have very few uh, cool standouts. Like for, for example, Gangnir and, and Mjolnir, the, the spear and the, um, and the late game hammer that you get. They have very, very cool powers, but there isn't just enough variety like that. Like These are the most powerful and they will be the most exciting to use. And then... Basically, the best weapon that you can get right now, I think, is like a, um, a two-handed sword that, like, I think has more damage when you, when you have it ignited. And you can, like, have the shield, which, like, on parry uh, ignites your weapon. So you pretty much have, like, all-time ignite on your weapon uh, along with the use of, of your ability. And that's, like, one of the best builds right now because fire damages OP again. Um, but besides that, the only other exciting stuff is like heal on parry or drop uh drop a sleeping bomb on uh, you know on on i think after five blocks or something like that so there are some standouts but there isn't enough and most of them are like oh additional damage after a dodge more speed after a dodge or you know after a heavy finisher you 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 drop like uh like something you know so there are standouts but i think they could have done way more and they could have really 
not relied on the after finisher or after dodge and stuff like that. So, yeah. Let's talk about the even bigger elephant in the room. I think that's actually what's uh, what's a problem is the monetization. So the month after the release, we have got the XP boosters. So I'm actually not too worried about those because the XP curve is pretty okay. Like I never felt like I was grinding the levels. Uh, I felt like the levels just kind of came because I was just doing stuff in the game. Um, so I don't. I'm, I'm not too worried about the boosters, but it's still kind of disgusting to see um, that a month after you uh, the review embargo lifts, you get boosters. It's kind of they wanted to avoid <laughs> getting bad rep for the boosters and then the boosters come after you know most of the people have left the game um but they will be there available when the dlc you know starts i'm actually curious about that when the dlc starts we have to be a certain level uh we have to you know have a certain and then you're you're like more incentivized to to uh to buy the the, the boosters that's actually going to be interesting to see i hope it's not because then that's just disgusting so the gear that you get in the game is actually uninteresting, but the one that you get from Helix, uh, from the Helix store, is actually way more interesting and way more powerful. So the actually the the sword I was talking about, um, I got it from from Reda, which is the seller, uh, which is like the merchant that allows you to get Helix items. So the 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 items that you can get for real money, but the sword I I talked to you about, which was one of the most interesting ones, the ignite damage one. Is actually a helix item. Um, there's a bunch of like, for example, Niflheim set, which I think is all about crits and stuff like that, um, is all from the helix store. So it's crazy. It's crazy that these uh, the most of most of the most of the best items. I'm, I'm not saying all of them because some of them, like again, the Gungnir and the the Mjolnir and and some of the some of the sets are free and you can get them for free, but. The most interesting, uh, most of the most interesting ones are actually available from the Helix store, which is, uh, yeah, it's kind of frustrating because at this point in in the Origins life cycle, so Assassin's Creed Origins, we already had the battles, the God battles, which actually gave you the best gear in the game for free. These things were free, actually. I think as much uh, as far as I remember, these these God battles were free. Um, in Odyssey, we already had two chapters into the the first DLC. The I don't actually remember the actual name of the the it wasn't the hidden ones. I don't remember. Uh, but yeah, we already had two chapters into that. But here we got a very buggy and unfinished Yule Festival, which had very lackluster rewards, like the the gear for it. Besides the CX, which is the the knife. Besides the knife, everything was else was just kind of terrible, and I would never use it. Uh, besides, probably it's uh, it's okay looking visuals, um, and we got five gear packs since the release. So we got three on release, uh, which uh, which include all gear, with, you know, which actually includes the gear with the superior powers. Uh, so like they're they're not like these heli these helix packs are not like crazy overpowered. But it's clear that their powers are very cool to uh, uh, to use, and they will be slightly more powerful. For example, um, I bought the Valkyria one, which you know I really, really love the Valkyria leap, leap of the Val Valkyries. I think it's called. Um, I love that ability, so it was natural for me to ha want to have a set which kind of enhances that. By the way, that set 
gives you like more attack and more speed. I think after you you do the leap of the Valkyries, I still haven't found the upgrade for that for that ability. It sucks, but I'm gonna have to do that at some point. <laughs> um, so yeah, it kind of sucks that, for example, you cannot find uh, gear like that. For example, you cannot find like a set that gives you, you know some kind of power after you you do the kick of the tear or something like that. That's only be- behind the paywall. For example, with like the the leap of the Valkyries, AI is incredibly stupid, especially for the friendlies. Like I didn't really notice it with the enemies. Obviously, they do get stuck and they do run in circles sometimes, but the most stupid are the friendlies. Oh man, don't even get me started. Some of the quests I had to load, I had to reload the game because the AI was just stuck standing there. Just it couldn't move across uh, a very simple distraction. I was trying everything and he was just staying in the same spot. It's just just annoying as hell. Very stupid, uh, friendly AI. Bugs Life, the game is buggy. Um, And some of the travels, traversal, like uh, some of the parkour and the. and some of the you know basically mounted traversal is just janky as hell and that's also combat sometimes <laughs> there's a lot of teleporting around the battlefield and there's sometimes like projectiles hitting you which were not supposed to hit you and there's some janky stuff happening and I, don't, I don't think they can fix that but they can definitely make it better they can make it appear less uh, it's just in in the core of the game that this 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 stuff will just happen so overall the game is really good and it has a ton of content. It's really fun. It's very cool. It's very cool thematically. So like, it's not very super ultra realistic, but it kind of hits those nails on the head for me. Which I'm not a like I'm I'm a huge fan of the Viking culture, but I'm not like this nerd that you know researches everything. Um, so for me, it was good. Uh, I really enjoyed the game, and I can I can wholeheartedly like pretty much recommended to anyone who is at least remotely interested in like open world exploration and action games um this is not a very deep rpg uh, it's more of an action game in my opinion the rpg mechanics only come into play at the beginning but i'm worried for the future of the game and how the monetization will go like more what more sets will be released reda is not the answer because like it's uh, you only get one good item per week uh, and you have you, you know the sets are literally five items uh, and the items are are random uh, so yes uh, you know trying to, basically trying to get these I- the items for free is random you can get them you you can get them for real money uh, you know from the store but getting them for free is random um so I'm I'm, I'm worried about the monetization and what future packs might do to the balance of the game obviously it's a single player game but when most fun stuff is is locked behind a paywall or you know a random number generator it's not really fun so let me know what you guys uh, think again about valhalla uh, tweet at me or visit me on my stream and tell me what you think i really really enjoyed the game i think it's really good but i have some worries for the future hopefully um ubisoft doesn't make it there like you know their uh their 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 money pig um and yeah let's move on to the next topic which is actually fitness topic so listen up all of you workout junkies and just people who are trying to you know build as much muscle as possible trying to build some muscle man you better listen up man 
Yeah. Um, so I'm going to talk about the best workout split and and also the best workout split for your possible uh, schedule. So a single workout can stimulate the muscle for even up to 72 hours after after hitting the muscle group. So hitting that muscle group at least twice a week, twice a week is optimal for the muscle growth, right? Because then, um, so 72 hours is three days. Um, so, you know, week has seven days, herp derp. So if you hit it twice, basically you hit it, sometimes you can hit it even three times if you want to, but basically um, if you hit it twice a week, um, that's like the most... Uh, most i would say optimal for your body like if you if you're really trying to uh pack on muscle or pack on strength i think i feel like you have to obey by that rule at the tw- hit the muscle group at least twice a week what does that mean in uh, in general so what it means is that you have to for example let's say you're doing a, a back and bicep right you're, you're doing like the antagonist uh, sorry the agonist workout which uh, this is how i call it basically what you what you are doing is you're training like a big muscle group for example back and then you also are working the agonist muscle which is the muscle that helps the main muscle group do a certain movement so for example you finish up with some bicep action right so if you're doing back on monday you should you should hit it at least once more that week and it would be the best if you would hit it in three days um, you know, and it's like after three days, like uh, anywhere after that, um, basically right after three days or right after 72 hours, that's where you should hit it. Or actually even before the 72 hours for, for a lot of people, it's before the 72 hours that, that you might, you, you might want to shoot into, you know, just, uh, just the end of 72 hours. So I have a few different archetypes, let's say, of workouts. So you have full body workouts. You guys know what those means. Basically, you come to the gym, you do like main body movements, and then you you finish up with some, uh, you know, with some uh, isolation exercises and you go home and you basically try to hit the entire body uh, in one workout. Um, that can split later also into like alternating fa- uh, full body. So let's say, let's say on one day you would do a full body, but you, for example, you would focus on lower body, lower body mu- like muscle groups, and then on the other day you would focus on the upper. Uh, but we're going on a tangent. J- j- let's just say full bodies for now. Then you have a body part per day. For example, you would do on Monday you would do bi- you would do arms. So like you would do bicep, tricep, and some forearm action. Next day you would do shoulders. Next day you would, next day you would do chest. Then you would do back, and then you would do like legs. Um, so the entire split takes you like five days, right? So I'm actually going to talk about that in a little bit. So let's move on to the next one. So the next one is agonist muscle groups. So this one is a little bit better, in my opinion. Then I'm I'm really against the body part per day. Um, it's just not not optimal. But the agonist muscle group workouts is basically when you hit like a main muscle group so for example you hit back you hit the chest and then you hit the agonist right so the agonist is again the muscle that helps the main muscle perform a certain movement so for example if you're doing chest arena you might finish up with some tricep action because triceps is uh you know helps with with the pushing movements and like the arm extensions and stuff like that so um so 
there you you've hit like two two groups at the same time right you might do some legs uh, and some abs right um you might do some uh, some back and uh, and some bicep right so the basically that's how i'm thinking when i'm thinking agonist muscle group not perfect again because it takes you i think like four days to finish the entire uh rotation um but it's better than body parts per day uh, next one we have is upper lower um, so you have upper body and then you alternate with lower body so like let's say on monday you would do upper on on tuesday you would do lower on wednesday you would do upper uh, or actually you would take a break uh, on wednesday and then on, on thursday you would do upper on friday you would do lower and then you would do another break and then you go again that's actually very very good much much better than the previous two because full body is you know it's it's, it's like in general it's good for people who are starting out but um the previous two the full the body part per day and agonist muscle group workouts uh, upper lower is just much better right why because you can get m more of them in a single week so like there's no reason to do upper 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 you know day after day after day because then you're not allowing your your muscle to to recover but basically in the split that i told you so it's upper lower break upper lower break you're given perfect amount um of uh of rest for those muscle group, group which you hit so for example you have the upper body you, you for example you did the chest shoulders back and some arms action right um the upper back rather um so you did those all in one day and then next day you have legs, so you're not using as, uh, those, uh, you know, those muscles almost at all, those upper muscles almost at all. And then you have day number three, which is a break, so you're not using them again. And then boom, right after the 72 hours, boom, you hit them again, and uh, you Gucci, you Gucci and the Gucci. So, uh, but but there's an even better alternative, which leaves out the break. So I like to not have breaks between like my you can say sessions so for example if i'm doing like the upper lower i would do upper lower upper lower upper lower break so you have six days of working out in a in a week obviously it's not viable for all for most of us for for all of us but for people who are serious about building muscle it is kind of necessary um like don't get me wrong you'll still build muscle and you'll still get toned if you're not going six times a week it's just um uh, if you're if you're trying to be on the on the highest or the higher level then yeah that's that's what you're looking at um but that's that would be already overtraining because i am only giving 48 hours uh to um to for my muscles to recover which i still might be hitting into that protein synthesis um so i'm like my muscle when i'm hitting it again might still be recovering and that's not optimal so my my solution to that and my end all be all best workout split i have came up with for my schedule so basically when i was preparing for the show i was working out six times a week um was push pull legs so what i'm doing is i'm doing push so it's shoulders chest and tricep doing pull so it, which is upper back and a little bit of lower back uh, and I'm doing some bicep with that, and then I'm doing legs with the abs. So, and then that's amazing because for those three days, for example, you know, on Monday I'm doing push, then on Tuesday I'm doing pull, 
and on Wednesday I'm doing legs. So I'm still staying active in those two days, but I'm not using the muscle group which I have hit in the first day. Uh, and then boom, on Thursday I'm back with the with the push right after 72 hours, right in without the break, without you know breaking my uh, breaking my my rhythm or so, or, or something like that. So. Let's, let's go through them. Full body workout is great for beginners and people who do not really have much time for the gym in, in their schedule. So it's perfect if you're going to the gym like two or three times a week, right? Um, you're, you're hitting your whole body, but you're not really focusing on any muscle groups in, um, in general. A lot of people are uh, actually go for that. A lot of people who, who come to me for workout advice and for and you know uh, personal training and stuff like that, they do want to only come to the gym two or three times a week. And I'm like, okay, let's do a full body workout, you know. And people actually get fucking ripped on this. So it's not like you know it's 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 inferior. And you will definitely build muscle, but uh, again, it's going to be good if it, for just getting toned. Uh, you know, it's it's good for getting toned and stuff like that, but it might not be the best you know to be like you know uh, an ultra level athlete you know what i mean uh, body power per day has been proven to be not viable and should be completely ignored and that's because of what i said it takes you five days or even six days in some instances to finish a full rotation and by that time you're you are three days over of your protein synthesis from for, so for example let's say you know it takes you six days to finish the entire rotation of workouts so uh, let's say you do chest on Monday. You, you're only doing chest again on Saturday or, or Sunday. So you have missed two days worth of gains. And that's not the way to go. How can you miss gains, dude? Um, so please don't do it. It's not viable. Don't copy uh, some of the old school bodybuilders. These guys were fucking nuts and they were on juice. Um, <laughs> don't do it, please. Um most people do not have basically most they don't have time to devote seven workouts per week so i'm, I'm still talking about the body parts per uh, a body part per day um you had every muscle group once a week which can be very ineffective as i just as i just ex uh, explained you're pr more prone to overtraining on, on that single day and here's another heavy heavy bump i'm gonna drop on you in reality we should only do 22 sets per muscle group per week so for example if you're hitting chest you should not do more than 20. Well, it's different for every person, but it's between like, I think, 18 to 25 sets for most people. If you're going anywhere over 25 sets, you are overtraining like crazy. So let's think about this. Every single exercise, you're doing three to four sets. So this leaves us with five exercises. So in reality, you have uh, five to six exercises that you can do. And... Uh, you know, to so basically, you are more pro, and you you're also there's also a limit to how much weight you can move in a single day. Um, so when you're pushing yourself, you know, to do these twenty something sets in one day, it can you can very you can overtrain on that one day and then give yourself an entire week off from that muscle group, and this is just very very ineffective. I hope you see what I mean. If you don't, hit me up and I can explain a little bit a little bit better. Hopefully that was uh, clear enough. Agonist muscle group. Um, so as I said, again, an example is chest and tricep. You you basically you cut the number of trainings. You still do not fit inside of the two workouts of certain muscle group per week. Um, 
because then, then your workouts are like it takes you, it takes you four days so you don't know you you don't uh, so for example your chest will be um hit twice in one week but you will be missing like one days of gains and one days of gains is one days of gains and you cannot lose that <laughs> so it's still not it's still not not the greatest but if you if you want to do it you you can and you will only be losing one one day of gains well or you will be losing as much as one uh, one day of gains um upper lower is is much much better something i used to do for a very long time uh actually right after i finished uh, i started off with full body workouts and those were those were really good to me for uh, for a very long time and i also went back to full body workouts when i went keto which was a big fucking mistake i i might talk about that at some point in the future um but yeah, I went to upper lower after I moved on from uh, from full body workouts because I was just getting really interested in um, in bodybuilding. And one day is upper day, so chest, shoulders, arms, and back. Other is a lower body parts like legs and lower back and abs. Um, so the downsides of those um, is that a lot has to be done, just like full body workouts, a lot has to be done in a single day, right? You have to hit all your upper body parts, which basically can take, take anywhere from an hour and a half to two hours, which is a lot of time in the gym. Don't get me wrong two, like an hour, <clears throat> like everything over an hour, I feel like you are just burning yourself out. So, and if you're doing upper lower, that's how much it will, uh, it will take you if, if you're serious about working out. Uh, but this can actually be done. Like you are actually filling right in, uh, like, you know, basically within those three days that you have after hitting a certain, a certain muscle group. So if you hit your chest on Monday, as I said, you can do on Tuesday, you can do uh, lower and then you can have a Wednesday break. And then you, right after three days on Thursday, you're, ch you're hitting chest again. So you're not losing gains in that way. <clears throat> But for me, uh, what 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 uh, basically this is like perfect for people who have who have like three to four days a week to uh, to work out. I would say uh, upper lower, and then when you have between three to six times a week where you have time um, where you have time to work out that much, you can do push pull legs, and then you can really really focus on certain muscle groups. Like you're not going as crazy as you know focusing on a single group in a single day, but uh, you can do you know like. You can focus, for example, you can you can have a push day which is focused on the chest, or you can have a push day which is focused on the arms, or you can have a push day which is focused on you know the shoulders. Um, so, uh, or you can just uh, just do general push pull legs, and it's going to work as well. Um, and this basically fills right into the three day that you have. So you're doing, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then on Thursday you're hitting without the break. You're hitting that first muscle group uh, again which is awesome, which I, I think it doesn't break up your rhythm. And then you can take a break on the seventh day and then you can, you can go back to, uh, to, to chest on Monday, or you might go back to chest on, 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 you know, if you, if you have up to even seven days a week, you might, you know, hit chest because your chest should, should in reality be already rested by the time you're hitting it again, um, with this. So very, very good. Uh, I, this is my favorite workout split and that's what I will stand for. And that's what people should standby uh when they're doing when they're going uh for you know for the biggest muscle or strength growth and uh, yeah so basically hit me up 
tell me what your um, what your choice is, what you're doing at the moment. I might be able to assist you if you need any assistance with your workouts. And yeah, I'm just generally curious uh, what you guys think and what you guys use for your workouts. Let's move on to the next topic. Let's talk about the big, big topic for all the vegans, <laughs> for all the vegans, and just people in general. People are very crazy about this topic in general. And, and what we're talking about is protein. Literally, every single time I get somebody new in the stream and they find out I'm plant-based or vegan or whatever, uh, I actually try to stay as plant-based, but people sometimes call me a vegan. Um, well, I'm vegan. For, let's just explain this one more time. <laughs> I'm vegan for the ethical reasons, but I'm plant-based for my own health. Um, so that's basically how it is. And it doesn't matter. People find out that I'm plant-based and they always find where to get your protein. And I'm actually writing a piece uh, on protein right now. If you guys didn't know, I, I do write... Uh, I'm not actively writing it, but I'm in the middle of, of writing that, that, that specific article. I like to write articles which are based 100% on science. I, I, never, I try to not make them about opinions. I only form my opinion after reviewing the data uh, from the studies. I never, I, I'm never... Ever since I stopped doing, you know, like some <laughs> religious cult keto... <laughs> I've became a lot more focused on the data and the studies that we have that we have and um, I like to use a lot of references and I reference a lot of studies in my in my in my pieces and I think I have like three pieces so far three pieces of writing and all of them are very very successful and the next one I'm writing is about protein so I was actually wanting to to celebrate that and to kind of put, put myself back in the mood of writing because I really want to finish it at some point. Uh, it's been kind of sitting stagnant there for a few weeks. Um, I wanted to share some interesting bits and pieces with you guys. So animal protein is actually... So actually protein intake is um, uh, like overconsumption of protein. So... Uh, again, recommendation for protein is about 50 grams a day. Um, and unless you're a top-level athlete, you do not need more, in my opinion. Like, you might shoot for, like, 60, 70, or 80 just to be safe. Um, but if you're not a top-level athlete, you do not need more than 60, I would say. Uh, obviously, this will uh, this will vary of how, uh, how tall and uh, mostly how tall you are. If you're a taller, you obviously will need more protein. If you're a man, you'll need more protein. Uh, but in general, for everybody, it's about 50 to 60 grams of protein. And when you think about that, the average consumption of protein, for example, in Poland, where I live, is about 100 grams of protein. So that's twice or almost twice as much as what's recommended. And what are the repercussions? Are there any repercussions? Like, you know, you, you, can, you, can, you can gurgle down on the protein shake, you know, and before you go to sleep, is that you know somehow that's really became safe in their minds? But really, is it? And it and it actually be, and it actually uh, is not safe for us. So, for example, protein is linked with type two diabetes, with the development of type two diabetes. Um, we basically um, 
there, there, there's a link between uh, like overconsumption of, uh, of of protein. But but what's actually actually more interesting is that when you compare animal protein to 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 plant protein, like I'm not trying to sound like a you know like a zealot, like a vegan zealot here, but when you compare plant protein to um, to animal protein. Um, for example, uh, plant protein do not, doesn't have that effect. It actually can be protective against uh, against type two diabetes. Like, uh, just plant foods in general are are protective against type two diabetes. So, you know, there, there, there's there's um, there's an entire sea of of studies about you know protein and 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 plant protein, animal protein, and almost all of them say that plant protein is superior. You know, when it comes to like you know health outcomes and stuff like that, but it's inferior when it comes to blood to bioavailability. So, for example, um, like a perfect protein by a lot of people is egg. You know, egg white, egg white in general uh, is you know like the most digestible protein. Um, but I like to look at them as a package. So, for example, when you um, when you compare it to, for example, beans. Beans are less best less bioavailable, so you'll be able to to digest less of the protein from the beans that you will uh, from the same amount of beans. Uh, so, for example, if you take a hundred grams of protein from beans and a hundred grams of protein from egg, you'll be able to digest more from the egg, and that's basically how uh, how you should look at it. But that's actually that's actually not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, it might be a bad thing if you're like a top level athlete, bodybuilder, uh, or like a, like a top a top. I'm saying top top level marathon runner, but un, but unless you're doing that, it doesn't really matter. And also the bio the bioavailability is higher in animal protein, but we're also comparing it to raw uncooked plant matter. Like all of those studies, well, not all of them, but most of those studies were done on on pigs when they were eating raw uncooked. Uh, you know. Uh, like beans and and other veggies. So, when we cook them, we also uh, kill the uh, kill the some of the inhibitors, and basically we make them edible. And we would also have to study the protein the protein avail- bioavailability at that stage. But what's actually interesting? There's some very very interesting things mm. when you compare animal protein to plant protein. Um, it seemed like the the size of muscles was actually smaller on the plant protein, but there was no difference in strength, which actually allows you to be, you know, like more mobile, more agile, but you actually have the same strength as people who eat uh, who eat animal protein um, and are, are, are overall bigger, but they're, they have just about the same strength. And that's actually super interesting. Like I, uh, you know, there, there's there's multiple theories you can you can form about that. That you know, nature wanted us to to eat mostly plant plant based foods, and you know, for us to stay mobile, stay healthy, stay um, stay active, and you know, stay safe from all these predators. Um, yeah, it's it's just super interesting. You know, no difference in strength, but one is smaller and one is bigger. Um, and yeah, as I said before, I like to look at protein, my, my protein sources as a package deal. So I can tell you the protein that, for example, I take. So if you guys didn't know, every single plant in the in the uh, in the plant kingdom has protein. 
Every single one. There isn't an, an exception. Um, and every single one has a complete amino acid profile. So you get all the amino acids that you need from plants. Obviously, certain plants will have more of certain amino acid than the others. So, so it's actually very good to eat a variety of plants. Um, when you eat a variety of uh, of plants, you get the, the complete amino acid profile and you get enough protein. Um, basically, if you are eating, you know, your general 2000 or 2500 calories diet as a, as you know, as a, as a regular male, you're getting enough protein, uh, unless you're eating like white, white, white bread and white pasta. And you know, those 2000 calories, like if you're eating whole foods, 2000 calories of that, you'll be getting enough protein, my dude. <clears throat> Um, so the sources that I use, for example, because I was trying to compete at the top level of bodybuilding, I use chickpeas, I use beans, I use tofu, I use seitan, I use some of the plant powders, uh, plant-based uh, protein powders from the from peas, from uh, from rice, from soy. I use soybeans. Soybeans are really really good. Like when you when you actually get soybeans and you cook them, they're really really good. There's no reason to um, to fear to fear soy. Um, they don't give you doesn't give you man boobs. It's actually protective against man boobs and 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 some complications in women and their menstruation periods. Um, <clears throat> so those are my main, I would say, sources of protein. Also, some some like peanut butter has a lot of uh, you know it's 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 calorically dense, but it also has a lot of protein. Um, but as I said, I was looking at protein from a package deal perspective. When you're eating, for example, an egg. It's packed, you know, with with protein, obviously, which is good, but uh, or well, it's it's okay, but it's also it's also a package with cholesterol, saturated fat, heme iron. Um, whereas when you're eating those plant based, uh, you know, sources of protein, like you know, some chickpeas, some beans, and some some tofu, you're also getting the fiber. You're also getting the safe micronutrients. So, because the, for example, you're getting heme iron from the meat. Um, your body, it's just like your body's heme iron. So you, like, there's no way your body can um, can control how much you're intaking. You're just intaking everything that, that you take. But with the with the micronutrients from uh, from from plants, your your body actually has to make that uh, iron into heme iron. So it actually has control over how much you intake. Uh, and, you know, and also the package with the with the plants is minerals and vitamins and just all the all the good stuff. So. Eat your plants. You know, I'm not saying drop meat or you know tomorrow or, but just eat more plants, and they're very, very good for us. Um, and whole plants and whole plants especially. Um, and it's not good enough to just eliminate meat. When you eliminate meat, you eliminate calories, and you know, and you don't replace it with anything good. You will feel lethargic. You will feel bad. But when you when you replace it with like good source of uh, calories, good good source of protein, you'll feel much better. I promise you that. Give it a try, and let's move on to the next topic. So the last topic we'll be talking about today is very very interesting. It's the actually my top five games of the year. Yeah, <laughs> might be surprising. Uh, maybe you know the games are not on your list, or you maybe you have a different list. Let me know on Twitter or on Twitch. Hit me up, and I'll be um, we'll be able to to discuss why you're wrong, why why I'm right. I'm, obviously, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking here, boys. 
my number number five game on my list is Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Um, we already talked about the game in depth, um, but in summary, it's a great RP, great action RP. If, if somebody's basically just looking to this, uh, just listening to this part of the podcast, what they need to hear, it's a great action RPG light game with a good story, but it overstays its welcome. The main the game main story should be like half in length and it actually wouldn't lose much in substance. Uh, I have a big concerns for the post launch support and it's funny because uh, normally I would finish here, but UB put themselves in a spot where we have high expectations for the DLC and the post launch content. Like they put out the, the trailer for all the DLCs and they have made me so excited and you know normally I would you know I would stop a review there but I'm just so excited for these review for these DLCs which they have hyped me for that uh that I'm also just concerned that they will not live up to expectations and they will just be buggy messes like the like the Yule festival uh and stuff like that and the game is also buggy you should you should definitely should definitely know about that. Just like the, it's not as much as the other game that came out this year, but <laughs> but it's definitely buggy. Number four is Yakuza Like a Dragon, and I might be overreacting here because I haven't played much of the game, but I really enjoy of what I've played so far. Um, I have played, I think about fifteen to twenty hours, but I really really like what what what's there already. I like the combat and the combat abilities. It seems like uh, obviously the combat is changed from the regular Yakuza format. Now it's more like RPG, like Final Fantasy. Um, so I, and actually, this is the first time I really like this turn-based combat. Uh, it's really, really cool with some of the QTEs that you have, quick time events that you have to press, even though you already pressed some power button. Um I feel like this game just doesn't get enough praise in its graphics. The graphics is absolutely beautiful in certain places. Um, story is really, really fun. Like it's believable, and like I'm talking about main story. Um, there's some really, really ridiculous side content. You know, you know, you're you're fighting crabs, and um, you know, you're fighting you know naked guys and you know in nappies and stuff like that. There's there's just some crazy, crazy stuff, and. The developers find just the funniest, funniest uh, reasons for these things to exist. It's great open world, which isn't too big, but builds a sense of fam familiarity. I actually really, really like that. So just to compare this to AC Valhalla, um, I would be running through some streets and no longer looking at the map because I already memorized them in the open world. And this is quite rare in games. So for example, in Valhalla, like, I would rarely step foot in the same location twice unless, you know, I was doing like a lot of uh, exploring before pursuing the main story. Sometimes the story would actually push me to this uh, to a place where I which I already explored because I was doing some side side content. Sometimes it would push me to that, you know, uh, location which I already uh, which I already went to. But here they reuse a lot of the a lot of the open world unless at least so far but it's actually in a good way you know it's, it's actually believable as it is a city and there's a lot of things packed on top of each other um so and it's actually very fun uh, to not look at the map and be like oh okay i'm here uh you know i need to run left left right and you know straight or something like that or only look at the map every, every so often right because you just you're just so familiar with the um with the landmark that you know 
you just don't need to look at the map. So Yakuza Like a Dragon, definitely a good game. Check it out if you guys uh, will catch it uh, um, on the sale or something like that. Number three is Ghost of Tsushima. Um, it probably would have been higher on my list, but uh, my PS4 bricked right before I was about to play uh, multiplayer. Uh, the story is nothing to write home about, but uh, it's definitely decent and gripping. I would definitely say it's 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 up there. It's okay, but it's it, it's nothing that uh, would would take your breath away. Very very fun, fluid combat that uh, is also very very challenging, um, and some very 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 cool modes like you know the additional additional difficulties and like the the game plus and and stuff like that. So and. It actually includes a lot of like samurai flavor. So there's there are these standouts uh, or standoffs rather that are very very samurai like. You know, basically those are like the samurai movies that you have. Um, these are just super fun to to do, and oh, it's just so satisfying this combat. Um, I remember the boss encounters were also very very good. They're most they're mostly like they're not who has the more health or more damage, but they're more like who has the most skill and. Uh, obviously, the bosses were a little, little bit of damage sponges, but you could finish up those smaller bosses very, very quickly uh, because obviously they're just human, just like you are, and they can be hit, you know, they can be parried and just sliced down. Um, so it was amazing. It's a live and engaging open world. I felt like, you know, the, the exploration was really fun because literally the entire island was pointing you towards your, your next... Um, your next, uh, I would say, destination. But in the meantime, there were you know these little um, little artifacts that I like I, I like to call them like the, the the foxes and and different wildlife that would just lead you towards some of the other side content that the game has. Like, like at the beginning of the game, I didn't really open the map because I was just kind of like you know I only opened it to actually set up set a waypoint, and then from there I would just kind of let myself explore and, and go. Um, I actually like the side story structure. So actually, most of the characters that you meet in the game have their own story, which you uh, which build towards the game lore. It, it builds those characters and it builds towards your main story. Um, you don't have to do them, but it does add a lot to the gameplay. I haven't done all of them, but I'm planning to, when I get a PS5, I'm planning to get Ghost of Tsushima, basically play it in the glorious 60 frames a second and maybe um, experience that one more time because some of them some of them were really, really interesting and and just heartbreaking stories. <laughs> Um, it's also beautiful, and the soundtrack, although although good at the time, was somehow forgettable. It's not it's not one of those where you want to listen to it, you know, over and over once you finish the game or once you're not playing the game. It's like oh, it was good while I was playing, but it's nothing to uh, nothing that I want to listen to after. Just the visuals, dude. The visuals in that game is just something else. It's crazy to think that this game came out on PS4. It's just such a good-looking game. There were, you know, there were a few bugs here and there, but it's also very, very polished. Um, really good game. Definitely, um, definitely recommend it. Number two on my list is Immortals: Phoenix Rising. This might be surprising for a lot of people, but it's actually appeared on quite a lot 
of uh, of the lists of the top five or top ten lists that I've uh, that I watched or listened to. Um, very satisfying gameplay. If you guys don't know, it's a, another open world from Ubisoft. It's in uh, mythological land in Greece. Um, very, very Assassin's Creed Odyssey-like. It's actually the same team, but apparently this time they were given the reins to do what they wanted. Um, and they made this game. Um, so basically, you are Phoenix, and you fight monsters. <laughs> and you try to... Uh, and basically, this big-ass Typhon, uh, this, this big giant, um, or Titan, rather, has taken over the, the the land of the gods, and he has enslaved the gods. And you, what you have to do is you have to fight against them to free the gods and help them reclaim their land, which is like it's actually super fun. The game is very, very satisfying. Um, it has a very satisfying gameplay. Every time you finish a puzzle, puzzling is just really good in that game. Uh, every time you finish an encounter, it's, they just achieve this, this this sense of satisfaction that I, I really cannot really remember with any other game. Um, it flows so well. The game just flows so well. Like for example, uh, when you're going from a uh, side content to side content, it's, it's almost like you don't even have to open the map. It's like, oh, I'm doing this one. Oh, okay. There's the next one literally in my in my sight, or I'm somehow led to that point. It's just so good. Um, I love the simple combat, but also some of the in-depth integrated abilities. Um, so you can really, really, really weave in the abilities, the goldie powers that you have with the combat, which at the beginning is very, very simple, but later actually takes up in complexity when you when you um, get more weapons and you um, and you get more upgrades for your for your certain attacks. It gets really, really fun. Uh, exploration uh, which integrates with puzzling which is just so good a lot of variation in the types of puzzling that you're doing um so for example you might be doing uh for example floating boxes in one um in one encounter uh, for example you might you know you might stack them on top of each other and somehow hit them to for them to float and and, and curve a path to uh to the end of the dungeon but in the other one you will be using uh, you know, again, you'll be using these floating boxes, but you'll also be using them with air. Um, you know, which air will move them around. You have to, you know, clutch onto them to uh, to move around the map and finally make it to the point. There's some very very clever um, puzzling and just design in 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 the puzzles in the game where they reuse what you know what's already in the game you know like throwing boxes but they they reuse in so many different fashions that it's just very very good very very fun to play and you never feel like you're doing same things twice and very very fun boss encounters i haven't really encountered a boss which is like which is like a different archetype to a different boss but it has like the same playstyle. like i've um i feel like that in valhalla a lot of them have obviously a heavy attack, a blockable attack, and a, and a quick attack. And here they also have that, but they have you know they're very very original and their own uh, animations and their own you know uh, wind up timers and stuff like that. So oh, I just all the and also the the graphic the graphics is you no know, like the fidelity is not the greatest, but the graphics just the art style is so good, and there's some really really cool feedback. The graphical feedback when you parry, when you fight, it's just so satisfying. I don't know the game is which really nails it for me, and I'm actually in the middle of a hundred percent playthrough 
on my Twitch channel. So if, if you guys are interested, you can definitely check it out. Check me out while I play it. Um, super fun game. Super fun game. And let the drums roll. And my number one is Hades. Hades, um, I think, was a game of the year for one of the one major publication. Um, it's actually one of the very few roguelites that I really engage with. And for example, like I hated Hollow Knight. I hated Dead Cells. Like, okay, I didn't hate them, but I just didn't like them. They weren't compelling enough for me to play. But this game somehow makes this isometric, you know, combat so fun um, that I just want to play more. And that blends so well um, with, uh, with the story and with the progression that you have. Uh, it's very basic on top, but the progression is what makes it fun. You know, like you progress and you 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 know you buy more upgrades to your uh, to your playthroughs, and uh, you know, and actually you progress as you progress through to the exit, right? So you, you're um, you're dying and you're starting all over again, but you have this goal at the end. And once when you progress through this goal, you also progress with your powers. You get these boons from the gods, and you get these upgrades to your weapons and that process itself is just so fun and how powers that you get can really change up your playstyle like that it's just super fun super super such a such a such a fun game really really engaging story um it's just satisfying to um to also progress with the story to to find out what's happening um even though I had this this uh, feeling at the back of my head that okay, this is not like really the real Hades. Obviously, I don't know the real Hades. Nobody knows because it's a myth. But it was still intriguing to find out this character that, for me, wasn't Hades, but some some major character in some video game. It was just fun to find out the story behind it. Um, and actually, when the runs themselves were getting boring. What, what I found very interesting is that the story was hitting such a point where I was like, okay, I'm going to do this run because I want to find out what's happening next. And when I was finding out what's happening next, the the runs were were becoming fun again to the point where I was just pu pushing to for this progression again. And then it was just exchanging like that. So a very, very fine line, very, very balanced game. I don't know. Really, I don't really know how to describe it but it's just a game that you really have to play like regardless if you like uh isometric brawlers or if you like roguelites it's a, it's a game you really have to experience and if you don't like it after two hours you can always uh you can always give it back you can also refund it on like steam and stuff like that has amazing absolutely amazing visuals and amazing phenomenal soundtrack the soundtrack actually resonated with me after the game i have a few songs on my playlist um Supergiant has done a very, very good game. Congratulations on the Colossal's Game of the Year. I'm going to give you guys a statuette. No, not really. But you guys have my uh, you guys have my badge of the potato. Um, best game of the year, Hades, definitely. Um, I was actually going to talk about uh, uh, why people chose Last of Us 2 as their game of the year, but I don't want to get mad today, okay? <laughs> Um, I might talk about that uh, next 
uh, in the next episode with the boys. Um, maybe they were gonna have some uh, some opinions about that. Also, we'll touch up on the all the cyberpunk stuff that uh, that happened. But yeah, that's gonna be it for today. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed. Let me know what you thought on my stream or on the twitters. Um, check out all the games I mentioned again. Hades number one, Immortals: Phoenix Rising number two. Ghost of Tsushima number three, Yakuza Like a Dragon number four, and AC Valhalla number five. Those are really, really good games. You cannot really go wrong with them. If you if you do go wrong with them, you can always refund them. And yeah, any questions, you guys know where to find me. And I'm going to leave you guys here. Peace out and have an amazing rest of your day.